We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast, post-Christmas edition. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Kyle Porter. Kyle, did you have a good Christmas? I did. It was great. Uh, kids got uh, bikes this year, uh, which was super fun. It, it makes me feel old because they look old because they're riding bicycles. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's like 5,000 Lego pieces all over our house, which is always a delight. I haven't stepped on any yet, which is the the great fear. But uh, no, it was it was a fun Christmas. It was good. Those hurt when you step on them, like really bad. Yeah, it's not good. It's <laughs> it's like if you could create something that small that would like hurt the like the, the the bang for your buck in terms of pain is very high. Yeah, no doubt. I remember my first bike. Do you remember showing up and seeing the bike by the tree? Uh, yeah, I do. Well. <laughs> I don't know if I remember my official first bike, but I think I remember the first bike I ever got for Christmas. Okay, yeah. That's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How, how old were you? Uh, gosh. I was really young because it didn't even have the the hand brakes. It had kind of like the foot brake. Remember those? Where yeah. you had to like hold the pedals down to, to break it. Yeah. So I must have been really young. I can't remember. I was I was a little older. I got a like a one of the like a 21 speed. Is that a thing? 18 speed, something like oh, that. Oh dang. When I was, um, 18 old years I? old. No, I was like, a, I was <laughs> like, uh, 12 or something. I think that was the first time I got a bike for Christmas, but I remember that's all I did for the next you know year. And I just rode that thing. So what do homeschool kids who they ride around with in the neighborhood where everyone's at school? Well, sometimes the pickup basketball games are down the street. So you gotta, you gotta have a mode of transportation to get down there. Okay. Yeah. I get it. Uh, well, you and I have not spoken since the article from Bill Haston came out. You know, last podcast we did, you and I kind of talked at length about Mike Gundy, his status in Stillwater, is he worn out? And then Bill writes this great article kind of laying out reasons why Mike Gundy may be burnt out as the head coach of Oklahoma State. Just uh, we haven't talked about that yet. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, it was it was interesting. I, I think Bill is probably the the perfect person to write that because he has enough he, he has a he has really good distance in terms of he's close enough to the situation to have a feel for it but he's not too close that um he won't write it essentially like he he will write it he will put himself out there and I thought it was really well done and he had some interesting quotes from Gundy in there that were I think exclusive to him talking about how Gundy still feels energized, but when he doesn't, he's going to go and basically just say, tell, walk over to Mike Holder's office and say, just, that's it. I just end my contract. Or I, I don't know. I still am a little confused about how the whole contract thing plays out. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I think, I think so much of this is just, and this is what we talk about all the time when we talk about recruiting. So much of it is natural. You get, it's natural to just not care as much in year 14 about something as you did in year one or year three. It just, it just happens, and uh, I don't know. I, I didn't – the part that I did disagree with, I didn't think Gundy – I wasn't there, but it didn't seem like he was that much different than usual at his press conference. That's one thing that people were saying they picked up on. I thought it was just kind of how he is when he talks about recruiting and, and those types of things. So that, that part I disagreed with a little bit, but everything else I thought was – you know, I thought it was super interesting. I thought it was really intriguing to read about uh, and Gundy's like the, he's, he's the like most 
interesting person at Oklahoma State, probably, in terms of talking about, thinking about, writing about uh, all these different things. And I thought Haston did it really well. Yeah, I agree with you that Bill should be the one to write that. You know, Bill fills in on uh, Channel 2 in Tulsa on this Sunday segment called The Rant. I always try to watch it when I get home uh, late Sunday night. And he was talking about it, and he said, no one in the media knows Mike Gundy better than I do. That's what what Bill said, and he's totally right about that. He was the beat guy forever. Uh, If anyone should write that, it should be him. And I thought, coming from Bill, I think that gives it a lot of credibility that maybe perhaps there's – there is some burnout with um, with Mike Gundy. Uh, I, I agree with you though. I don't I don't read a ton into what he says in press conference as far as demeanor, but I did think that quote that made the rounds when he was talking about quarterback recruiting pretty much kind of doubled up what his philosophy is as re- for recruiting as a whole. He's like, we try to get six and eight stars, and they don't show much interest in us, so we go recruit somebody else, whatever's left. And I just thought, you know, like. Signing day day press conferences, Kyle, are the most hyperbolic PR press conferences of the year. (laughs) And and his was very defeatist in that, well, I try, but you know, they we don't we don't get a lot of the guys we want, so we gotta take these other guys. It was almost a slight to some of his current players, too. It's like, well, we wanted other guys that were better, but this is kind of what we're stuck with. So I, I didn't like the the message being put out there. And then you you juxtapose just Forget about what he says and his demeanor and all this these this gray area we're reading into. Just look at actions. Look at Lincoln Riley, who is pounding the pavement as the lead recruiter for Oklahoma, versus Mike Gundy, who really doesn't hit the road very hard until what the last few days before the early signing period. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really you know I'm sure he does more recruiting than that. We've seen him on campus when guys visit and stuff like that, but he's not working half as hard as Lincoln Riley is and Lincoln Riley's coach at Oklahoma like if you're the coach at Oklahoma State you've got to work twice as hard as the coach at OU and he's not doing that and again we don't talk about any of this when he wins 10 games which Mm -hmm. he's done you know six of the previous eight years so but when as we've talked about on this podcast when you don't have an elite quarterback these these recruiting classes that are in the mid 40s they show themselves for everyone to see and that's basically what we saw this year with them going six and six there's so many things here. There's so many different ways we could take this conversation, and I, I've written about probably all of them. Uh, but I, I think that the thing that's interesting to me is it, it seems like it seems like he is somebody who's like, look, I've figured out how to win 10 games a year in, I don't know, two out of every three years, three out of every five years without even needing to 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 worry about recruiting with that with just just doing it my way just doing the things that I do and to him that's that's good enough and and here's the thing like maybe it is good enough like maybe that's the ceiling like maybe that's it and that and we're just talking we're just like talking into the wind but I think the thing that sort of frustrates me is that people are like, oh, well, this is just how it's always been and this is how it's always going to be. First of all, it's not how it's always been. Oklahoma State used to get top 25, top 30 classes. There's a big difference between having an average ranking like in a four-year span of 30th versus 41st, which is where OSU is right now. That's a a big difference. And it's, it's really, Carson, just kind of it's fallen off over the last few years. And, and I'm, I, I think the thing that worries me is it's like, I don't even know if we're seeing the effects of it yet. Like, I, I think we're seeing like 
maybe the beginnings of the effects of it. Now, I say all this, Spencer Shannon will probably go out and win like, you know, 43 games over the next four seasons or whatever. And so maybe none of it matters at all. But uh, I don't know. I At some point in Mike Gundy's career with Oklahoma State, it, it's going to come to an end, which means at some point there's going to be a beginning to that end. And I'm curious if we're starting to enter that or, or if we've already entered it. I have no idea. Oklahoma State might go 4-8 and eight next year and then 3-9 and nine the year after that. I don't know. I don't think they will, but they might. And, and I think that we'll look back on this time period and be like, yeah, well, that's kind of when it, that's kind of when it started happening. It certainly does feel like a crossroads to, to something, whether, whether it's the end, which does seem doom and gloom, or the beginning of the next era of OSU football with Spencer Sanders, who, who could be the next Mason Rudolph and win 10 games every single year. But um, that, that, is sure, that sure is a lot of pressure to put on a, a redshirt freshman quarterback. Yeah. But that's, that's the reality that we're in now. And there is another way to look at it. You know, Bill Hasten put this pretty well, too, in that, that segment I was talking about with, with Caden McFarland up at Channel 2. Uh, you know, OSU was not that far away from winning, like, nine games with Taylor Cornelius and being the bridge between, you know, Mason Rudolph and Spencer Sanders. It, you know, they should have beaten Kansas State. They should have beaten Baylor. And uh, they should have beaten, who was the third game? TCU. They should have beaten TCU. I mean, TCU was awful. Uh, so, you know, you, you take care of business in those three games, which we've talked all year about what r- went wrong in those games. But you win nine games, all of a sudden it's not as doom and gloom as we're making it out to be either. Yeah, no, it, it's true. And I think there I think that there is a take that exists. I might write about this later that Gundy is actually just staying in his lane and doing what he does and not trying to be somebody that he's not. I think the thing that you hit on, and I literally just got done writing about this. I don't even think it's up on the site. It, it will be by the time people listen to this, but somebody made a comment in our national, in our, I don't, is it called national signing day? Whatever we're calling it. The day that everybody signs uh, in, in our live blog, <laughs> early was, signing period. Yeah, there you go. It, somebody made a comment in our live blog on, on that day on Wednesday and said, Essentially, he was saying Lincoln Riley is trying everything he can to get the best players to Norman, Oklahoma, and it doesn't seem like Mike Gundy is doing that. And I think that's I think that's the crux of it. It's like, look, if you've got a if you've got like the twenty eighth ranked class in the country, and you're just you're sort of choosing you're being choosy with who you get to come into your you know to Stillwater, then. That's fine, but it just it doesn't seem like, as Gundy would say, they're giving great effort toward winning at recruiting. And if you don't think that winning at recruiting correlates to winning on the field, then you just don't you don't pay attention to things because that's the way things are. There's only been one team in the last, uh, I think it's 12 years in the Big 12 that has finished outside the top, I think it's 35 nationally in recruiting and won the Big 12. That was Kansas State in 2012. So their four-year average recruiting ranking was like 67th nationally, which is insane. It's like it's like outside of the Power 5 schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, everybody's been in the top 30, top 35, most of the time in the top 15 because usually OU wins the Big 12. But you, you're, if you're OSU, you're slipping to a point to where it's like you might win the Big 12. Like that could happen, but it's going to be an outlier if it does. Right. And that's, that is the crux of it. And it's not out of the question, I don't think, to expect, you know, a better recruiting class at Oklahoma State. And again, I think when he's brought in, 
you know, really good recruiters, they've landed guys. Like when Marcus Arroyo was here, look at the running back stable he built, which yeah. is, is now withered away now since he's been gone. And you look at Casey Dunn bringing a Tywin Wallace. That, that is, that is the prototypical recruit that OSU should be getting is more Tywin Wallace's. He's not a five star, but he is a legit high four star. You got to bring in a couple, two, three, four, five of those guys in every class. If you want to compete for a big 12 championship. And again, I think part of this, Kyle, they've, they've won despite their recruiting rankings all those close wins they've had, which we've gone over those stats over the years under Gundy. And he's done this with Texas being down. And Texas is not going to be down much longer. It doesn't appear that way anyway. They played for a Big 12 championship this year. So while everyone else is kind of getting better, it seems as if OSU's recruiting is slipping a little bit. I think that's why we bring it up. Uh, they've brought in – I didn't realize this. So in the last, I think, three years, they've brought in four – uh, four-star receivers. Is that right? So they had Tylen, who was a four-star. They had L.C. Greenwood, who was a four-star. And they had... Um, uh, they had C.J. Moore out of Tulsa, who was a four-star. And then they and then Casey Dunn landed Langston Anderson uh, this year in, in this class, who was a four-star. Who, uh, by the way... Uh, Dustin Ragusa said uh, he made the Des like he said he's kind of kind of Desi Des like really yeah that's high praise he's got like a thirty nine inch vertical but anyway my point is that like you're you're looking at one position and it's like wow Casey Dunn's landing a bunch of four star guys like this can happen why isn't it happening in other positions now I don't know some of this is like okay they're rebuilding the offensive line that's not sexy that's not as fun uh, they're getting guys that they feel like fit their system. Maybe that's why the recruiting ranking is down. I don't know. All I know is that it's uh, it's faded over the last four or five years in a in a significant way that it hadn't even in like 2011, 12, 13, and and 14. Yep, that's true. And I think that's why um, you know the, the, the more frustrating thing for me too, Kyle is they've won at, at a certain level and they have facilities that are at a certain level yet. They're not seeing dividends. So it's going to be interesting to see, Kyle. Uh, next year is going to be fascinating. And, um, you know, you mentioned Mike Gunny's contract. It, to me, it just seems as if the, the way this contract's written, it's 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 literally in Gundy's court when he decides to step away. He will yeah. be the one to make that decision. Not Mike Holder, not anybody else. Well, they've got – so I, I, was, I was going back and reading about that because it's super interesting to me, uh, just the fact that he essentially, like you said, has a – a lifetime contract is how it reads. So what, what happens is Oklahoma state has seven days after the end of the season. And I think that's defined as the bowl game, like whenever their last game for that season is. So this year it would be uh, December 31st. They would have until January 7th to say whether or not they're extending his contract another year. So the default is that he would always have a five-year contract with these increasing um, like, like salary figures. And so if you get to January 7th and you haven't said that you're renewing it, that or, or maybe you have to announce it either way. But what if I mean, this is my question in, in our side channel? What, what if they don't renew it this year? Like, like if, if you're the I mean, I get it. Like, I get that he, you know, deserves whatever. But if you go six and six and bring in the 41st ranked 
or whatever they are, 44th ranked recruiting class, like just on the surface, do you deserve an extra year under your contract? <laughs> Probably not. Right. And so like they could still renew it next year if they, if they play better, if they go nine and three or whatever, whatever the expectations are. Is that essentially like Holder walking into Gunny's office and, and tipping over an hourglass, like turning it upside down, just letting the sand start to pour out? <laughs> he just he draws like five stars on the uh, hourglass. How, yeah. How great would it be, though, for like the drama of this whole thing if they just were like, yeah, we're not renewing it this year. Could be, be better than six and six. There's like white smoke <laughs> that billows out of Gallagher Iba in the coach's office if they've if they've renewed the year or not, it would be the perfect ending to like the 13 month saga of starting with, with Gundy flirting with Tennessee. God. Yeah. And that's the other thing. I think a lot of Gundy defenders point out Kyle, that they have the worst recruiting budget. They're 10 out of 10 in the big 12 with recruiting budget. And, and my point is surely my Gundy and Mike Holder have discussed this. Like surely when they're going over his giant raise to $5 million a year, he said, get me out of the seller and recruiting budget. Well, and, and Mike Holder basically came on here and said, get your facts straight about the, about the recruiting budget. Oh, that's right. He called you out for your numbers. Yeah. And, uh, not your numbers. You're just reciting what was out there. Yeah. It's very, it's all very convoluted because you can kind of, I don't know. It, It gets into like the financial data and it's, it's very, it's, it's weird. It gets, it gets crazy. But I, I think the general point is like, I don't, I don't think that, like, I think if Mike Gundy went to Mike Holder and said, Hey, can I, can we do this to the recruiting budget? That's a pretty easy. Yes. Generally for Mike Holder. I don't know that that's me pontificating. I have no idea like what that interaction is like, but that, does that seem like the, like the issue? Like, does that seem like the thing that's happening? Is that Heck no, right. And so it's like, is Gundy being shut down because the recruiting budget is too small? Heck no. I don't, I don't think so. No, um, he does need a he does need a bigger chopper though. Leron Stokes couldn't fit in it. <laughs> I think they might have landed Stokes if he had gotten to take it for a spin. Oh, that's great. Uh, you want to talk about something positive? Something yeah. fun? Yes. Uh, Chris Carson goes over a thousand yards on the season against Kansas City last weekend. Uh, he is the first Oklahoma State alum to do this in the NFL as a running back since Tatum Bell. Wow. I think Tatum, time ago. Tatum Bell was, I think it was 06, 07, 05, somewhere, right. in, somewhere in that range with the Broncos. Uh, did you see this coming with Carson in terms of posting a 1,000-yard season in the NFL? No, no. I mean, I, 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 I saw him potentially being like a third down back because yeah. he's, he's pretty good in the passing game. And I thought he had a chance to win the job, but just go back to the draft, Kyle. He's a seventh round pick. I, know. I mean, that's one of the that's the you'd rather be a free agent than be a seventh round pick. He went to the right organization, a team that loves smash mouth running backs, but the Seahawks drafted a running back in the first round. And not only did he beat him out, he rushed for a thousand yards. He looked sensational doing so. He had those those highlights where he's literally not hurtling, like he's jumping to where like like Super Mario Brothers jumping over guys, like where <laughs> his entire body gets over the person. Shout out to Nathan and, Ruiz there. Yeah, exactly, Mr. Mario Kart. But um, no, it's it's been a joy to watch. And I thought that that touchdown he had, his second touchdown on the um, the Sunday night game, where Chris Collinsworth they show the replay. He goes, "Here's the play call." 
the play call is you're going to try and tackle Chris Carson. He's going to run through you. Yeah. Like you're not going to tackle me. And that, that's what he did. He, he like carried two guys into the end zone. So it's, it's great for him too, Kyle, because he, he broke his leg last yeah. year. Yeah. I mean, he was on his way to winning the job last year and, and broke his leg and a, a horrible injury. And he's all the way back and really one of the most productive pros, as you mentioned, since I guess Tatum Bell, that's, that's a tremendous accomplishment. Yeah. It, it is interesting because you start to look back on some of these guys, careers in Stillwater if you I mean whether you're going like Chris Carson Tyreek Hill and you're like man were they were they used properly and and I know it's I know some guys just fit differently within like some guys are just better they're better fits for the NFL for whatever reason because of whatever system they get in and so much of it it has to do with just you know your organization and how you fit into that organization and your opportunity but it is sort of retro retrospectively. Uh, it, I don't know. I mean, I know he, he was like pretty good at the end of his career at Oklahoma State, but it just uh, I don't know. It seems like they could have used him a little bit better, maybe. We call this the the Tyreek Memorial Award. Yeah, that that one. I, that, I don't know if that'll ever be topped. I mean, you've said that. Like, I love it when you go off on this tangent because it's hilarious and true. You're like Tyreek Hill is like the best player, like the best skill <laughs> position player in the NFL. Like and, he's he's like the most exciting football player in the world, and he averaged like 30 yards a game at Oklahoma. He State. was he was just a return guy. Like they just threw him back there for returns. They, they tried to play him at running back. I'm like, ah, we give up. We'll it's just crazy. Like, return kickoffs. It's crazy. <laughs> he literally is like a transcendent <laughs> NFL player. I mean, Bill Simmons was talking about it the other day, and I still listen to Bill Simmons despite his horrible basketball takes. But oh, I love his basketball he, takes. He was saying how like Tyreek is the fastest player he's ever seen. Like in just. He's like Bo Jackson in a way where you just, you've never seen anything like him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but to no, I mean, Chris Carson's been unbelievable and uh, he's in the perfect spot. I mean, Seattle's one of the few teams in the NFL that still likes to do the power run game and that, that suits him to a T. Yeah. Good for him. That's good stuff. Uh, okay. Last question before we get to our toast of the week. Well, are you going to, are you going to Alabama OU? Yep. I'm are, on my way tomorrow. Are you excited about the, the playoff? Uh, yes and no. Yes, in that I think this is the perfect matchup. I think everyone, everyone wants to see OU's offense against Alabama. I, I'm i not excited for an Alabama-Clemson championship game. I think when they went to this playoff, they had much more uh, excitement in mind, much more... in much more um, Like parity? Yes, and just the lack of inevitability yeah i thought they thought would be there now it's just inevitable that it's going to be bam and clemson for the foreseeable future i, I just know. i think it'd be really cool if it was oklahoma notre dame which yeah. I, the odds of that have to be through the roof but but no i i'm looking forward to seeing the game but like when alabama wins and clemson wins i'm i'm kind of over it yeah yeah i don't know i i i don't i'm not as excited about the playoff i, I feel like and that's probably it. Like I think what you just touched on is probably the reason why it just, there's an era of, of inevitability to like, Oh, okay. Well, Alabama is going to beat Clemson and then we'll do it all again next year. And we'll just sub in two different teams for OU and Notre Dame. And maybe it'll be OU again. And yeah, Ohio, Ohio state. No, you have taken turns every year. So next yeah. year it'll be Ohio state. Yeah. And it, it just is, uh, I don't know. 
It's I, very it, Golden State Warriors esque, really. It's just it's it's not even fun to talk about because you know who's going to win. Yeah, yeah. It was almost this is I I I don't actually believe this, but there's part of me that's like maybe it was more fun just to argue about the bowl games. <laughs> uh, maybe. But here here's the thing: like you're not always going to have an Alabama, right? Like if you if you look at between what. Uh, I don't know, just take 2000 to 2012 or 2011 or 2010, somewhere around there. The Alabama didn't exist. It was like kind of Florida. It was kind of Ohio State. There was some, who else? There was some Miami in there, but there wasn't like one team every single year. So that, I I refuse to believe that that's always going to be the case. Well, we've never seen anything like this, Alabama. So yeah. it's, it's got to come to an end at some point. I wonder how. I wonder if. Uh, I wonder if Nick Saban is. I wonder how big his chopper is. He doesn't even need a chopper. The recruits come in choppers to him. <laughs> <laughs> they come flocking to Bama. Uh, okay, it's time for the Coupe Works Toast of the Week. Coupe Works bring great tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the Bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the refreshing Horny Toad Blonde. For your next watch party tailgate or get together with friends, enjoy a cold Coupe Works. And please remember to drink responsibly. Carson, I introduced my dad, who was in town, to uh, the Saturday Siren over the weekend. Ooh. Yeah, he liked it. He was a fan. He, he liked the Oktoberfest better, though. So um, no shame there. But, yeah, he, he liked the Siren. I think he just liked the orange can best. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, subliminal, subliminal love there. Who are you? Uh, who are you toasting this week? I am going to toast a DNR to Chris Carson. Yes. He's going to try and resuscitate those two dudes who tried to tackle him at the goal line. Uh, again, as we as we mentioned, just a tremendous season. A thousand yards rushing is is big time in the NFL. I mean, he's he's essentially a Pro Bowler, or he's on the on the borderline being a Pro Bowler. So he's he's been awesome, and um, I guess he doesn't say Oklahoma State in the little intros, but uh, we'll 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 forgive him for that, and we'll toast him a DNR. What does he say? I think his town in Georgia. I think no, Trey I Trey Flowers said his town in Texas too. I don't I don't care about that. I mean, I think that Russell Okung says Wakanda Tech. Yeah, what does that mean? I mean, Black Panther. You ever seen the movie Black Panther? Uh uh-uh. uh is he, it, the Black Panther lives in Wakanda. Ah, uh, is it good? It's really good. It's a good yeah, movie. That's what I've heard. You should watch it. Yeah. But, um, is that an epidemic amongst OSU guys? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't watch enough NFL to know whether other schools, <laughs> other players from other schools. Does this do mean that. Gundy's lost, lost <laughs> hold of the program? That's my next blog post. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to toast a... I'm going to toast an Oktoberfest, an orange and black can to Curtis Jones, who made not his debut, but played in his second game for Oklahoma State against uh, Central Arkansas last week. He had uh, he played 24 minutes. Uh, he had 23 points, six rebounds, and an assist. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about, like, who are the guys like who are your guys on this team that you could have on a legitimate Big 12 contender? And granted, it's it's one game, so I'm not saying that he's definitely a guy, but he certainly appears to be somebody who's uh, very athletic, uh, very talented, and somebody who could uh, be a legitimate player on a on a really good Big Twelve team. He's been impressive, and gosh, they need him, don't they? I mean, they've they've really struggled, and 
he looked like the best player on the team in his, his first appearance. Yeah. So now he's a legit, you know, he was a top 100 kid, went to Indiana. I mean, those talent, that's a different, baby. that's a different level of recruit than, uh, we're used to seeing, at least until Boynton get really gets rolling. Mm. Till his, till his class gets on campus. I mean, so, yeah, yeah, it's true. So yeah, ho- hopefully, you know, I, I feel like the Michael Weathers thing is not, it's not gone. Like maybe I thought it would. And I don't know, maybe he'll improve as they get into big 12 play or maybe Curtis Jones is the better of the two. You know, those are kind of the two transfers that got talked about a lot. And, uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out over the next few months. Yeah. I think you were more skeptical in weathers than I was. I, I thought he'd be much better to this point. He's, he's turning it over quite a bit. Yeah. So he's been, he's been somewhat of a disappointment thus far, but We'll see how he does in Big 12 play. And speaking of Big 12 play, let's get to this week's OSU schedule brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. Be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. We are going to actually look at the schedule for basically the next week. So we're taping this on a Wednesday, and we're probably not going to do another one of these for another six or seven days. So uh, I wanted to go over the schedule for the next week for Oklahoma State. So – uh, Saturday they play uh, men's basketball versus A&M Corpus Christi at home. That's their last uh, non-conference game other than the SEC Challenge game. Uh, women's basketball is at home against Grambling on Sunday. And then the beginning of next week, Carson, is pretty crazy because you go uh, football against Missouri on Monday, obviously the Liberty Bowl. Wrestling uh, is in the Southern Scuffle on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, and then women's hoops on uh, Wednesday at Texas. That's their first Big 12 game. And men's basketball opens uh, Big 12 against Iowa State on Wednesday. So in the span of a week, you kind of got a lot going on at a time when it doesn't feel like there should be a lot going on. I can't believe the Big 12 starts next week. I know. And that's a big opener for the men. Iowa State's one of the more winnable games they'll have all year at home. So uh, that's that's virtually a must win your first big 12 game yeah so that's interesting and we haven't talked much about uh, the you know the actual bowl game i mean between missouri missouri's pretty good kyle <laughs> i know i know they're really they're really good I know. and um they've they've beaten some really good teams and their losses have been to some really good teams and uh watching them on film they get a lot of guys open deep so that could be a long game for uh OSU's defense well and and i didn't realize i mean i i knew that drew lock was was good. I didn't realize he might he might go in like the top ten of the draft next year. Really? Yeah. Like this coming draft or the next year? Twenty nineteen. Next, like four months from now. Five oh, months in from April. Now. Yeah. yeah. And because I, I was looking up, I mean, it, it's who knows? Like stuff changes so much, and you, you know, you have everybody arguing last year over Barkley and or not Barkley, but uh, who was the kid out of USC? Darnold. I was thinking of. Uh, who who was the uh, Matt Barkley? He was a quarterback like ten years ago. <laughs> You're right. I got him confused with Saquon Barkley, who went uh, top three. Anyway, there there's like four different quarterbacks that you're like, oh well, this guy that you know whatever. But I think that I think that Locke is going to be in the conversation to go as a top ten, top fifteen, top twenty pick, and uh, that's crazy. I mean to to put him, I mean to, for him to be in that kind of offense. I mean he's like the number one quarterback for the 2019 draft on cbssports.com right now in terms of their their draft stock and he's going against a defense that's not very good and uh, i don't know what did you think about the eight point spread Mm, 
Doesn't seem too wrong to me. You know, I think they deserve to be a healthy favorite, don't you? I mean, I, I would have thought even higher. I would have thought like ten. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I worry about obviously Oklahoma State, the running back position. I mean, they got Chuba, then they have a bunch of guys who haven't played. So you know, Chuba's not getting every carry. Uh, I worry about you know losing Larry Williams for the bowl game. Obviously, no justice. So I mean, it, yeah, it, uh, and who knows what you're going to get out of out of Taylor Cornelius at this point. So no, I would I would definitely favor Missouri. Yeah. Um, then you throw in the fact that OSU's over against the SEC in bowl games. In their last like four or five, they lost to Ole Miss what three times, twice. You know this de- this means they're definitely going to win. We're talking about them as like a ten point underdog. They can't be in an SEC school. <laughs> and yeah, it's the perfect they're... setup, isn't it? <laughs> they're ranked. I mean, it's a ranked opponent. <laughs> they're going to go out and win by like three touchdowns, and I'm just going to put this year in the in the trash can. Gundy just... and Yursich are just pull, throwing the kitchen sink at Missouri. <laughs> they bring out Spencer Sanders. They do a double quarterback pass. Yeah, they do the uh, the Zach Robinson, Bobby Reed from. What, what, or was it? Uh, I always get this confused. Uh, remember when they ran Bobby Reed out as a as a wide receiver? Yeah, and like oh, what year that was? Oh five or oh six or whatever. Uh, okay, real quick before uh, we hear from Chris's one more time, I wanted to get. I don't know if you made a starting five, but I have mine. Uh, this is a question I got asked last week and and wrote a little bit about uh, starting five for basketball for 2019-2020. Hmm. Do you want me to do you want me to give you mine and you can give you can give give some yeah. commentary on it? Yeah. Okay, I got Ice at the one. He's uh he's been starting I mean he's starting right now. So the other option there would be Avery Anderson, who's the guy they got coming in as a true freshman. I got this this one is I admit the shakiest. I got Weathers of the two. I don't that that doesn't seem great right now it might be curtis jones of the two i didn't want to put him in there after one game against central arkansas uh but then i got marcus watson at the three he might play the two who knows this is like a this is a super small lineup that's like my dream i love small lineups this is like my dream lineup uh and then i got uh kyle uh, kyle boone caleb boone at the four uh so he's a kid out of tulsa who's a top 100 recruit i think he's actually the 100th ranked recruit and then uh, I got the crime dog at the five uh, crime dog's probably too small to play the five and you could probably switch him and Boone out maybe. Um, but that would be my, that would be my dream starting five for 2019. The disrespect for your NA. Yeah, I know. I, I, yeah, I love your NA. I want to see don't like an A. I want to see him in the big 12. Okay. Yeah. He's only a freshman. Yeah. He's good. He looks, like like, he looks like he's like 35, by the way. I, I know. Uh, he's he's my starting center next year. The disres- I will not stand this disrespect. Okay. I think first player on the team sheet is uh, Ice at the point guard spot. That's the first one. Boynton writes down. Yeah. Then he goes straight to the five with the Orane. Okay. I think Curtis Jones is the shooting guard. Wow. I got to see more out of Weathers. Uh, we're going with Cam. At the three. Cam at the three. Yep. Okay. Boone at the four. Okay, so no Marcus Watson. I think Marcus Watson's going to be awesome. I 
couldn't pick him out of a lineup at this point. So he's gonna be on my bench. <laughs> he's like the he's like the sixtieth ranked recruit in the country. <laughs> yeah, he might be. Is he gonna is boy is Boyden just gonna run a hockey line change and just start all of his recruits next year? Yeah, they, I mean they're gonna have to with ice. Right? <laughs> like, I mean, and they've got some. I don't know. Next next year is is somebody pointing this out. Next year's a big deal for both Boynton and for Gundy because. If you look at Gundy, like they haven't had two bad years in a row ever. I mean, ever. he he hasn't. Uh, you know, after they go six or after they go seven and six and fourteen, they won their first ten and fifteen. Uh, their other bad year was what? Uh, I guess twelve was kind of down. Well, they almost won the Big Twelve in thirteen. So it it would be sort of. I mean, it would be unprecedented for them to to have another down year. And then with Boynton. If you get into year three, even if you're recruiting well and you're still missing the tournament and you're missing it badly, I think that's when the talk starts of like, okay, well, what what are what are we doing here? You know, yeah. I don't I don't think that happens this year, this season, but it I think it does the next year, and so I think that's sure. a, I think that's a big year for them as well. No, I agree. I mean, you got to start getting some results here. Uh, I do think you got to give you got to give Boynton at least I think three to four years, don't you? You can't be. I, I say give him four or five. I mean, that's what I would do. I mean, you got to let him get a full, you know, four recruiting classes put together. Give him, I mean, the, I know, give him the Travis Ford. Well, don't give him a ten-year deal. <laughs> but I mean, I think you got to let him go through some growing pains here. Yeah, no, I I agree. Uh, okay, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit. We'll come back with some Liberty Bowl picks and some Uni picks and wrap this thing up. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, uh, Liberty Bowl pick and a uniform selection for next Monday. Uh, I'm picking Missouri. Uh, I'm going to go 48 to 35. And uniforms. I've been so bad at this. I wanted to pick... Just what I want to want them to wear because I'm already too far behind the standings. <laughs> I was gonna pick uh, black, orange, black because I think it's a travesty they haven't worn that yet with the new uniforms. Yeah. But uh, I think with against Missouri, I think they're gonna go black, black, orange. That's what I think with the brand helmet that we love so much. I like that. That's a good pick. I'm throwing caution to the wind, just picking it. Yeah, I it makes me not like my pick now. Um, but I'm I wrote down white, orange, white with Patriot Pete as the helmet. Yeah, they do like Patriot Pete in bowl games as we saw last year. Yeah. It's very it's very bland though. Yeah, I mean we've seen them wear white, orange, white for eternity. Yeah. But that would be appropriate for what we've seen this year. We've seen a lot of retreads. Yeah. So. Uh, so that's my pick, and then I've got Missouri winning the game 41-28. Yeah, I think you and I will both have to eat some crow when Taylor Cornelius throws for 600 yards and six touchdowns. 
I, it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting to see. I'm really intrigued to see if some of the younger guys like Jamal Jeter, C.J. Moore. Uh, I don't think either the quarterbacks will play, but some of these younger skill position guys. Do they get do they get playing time? Are they gonna be? I mean, I think they will. I think especially Jeter because he's all of a sudden the third guy on the the running back depth chart. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I always think about this. The number, like the 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 level of talent they have at receiver, does not match the level of talent they have at any other position. No, <laughs> like they need to. There needs to be college football trades, and they need to trade some receivers for some like defensive linemen or something. <laughs> well, Casey Dunn wouldn't like that. No, he wouldn't. Not at all. <laughs> but but uh, this is this is strangely, it's the Liberty Bowl. It's not. It's not a near six bowl, but this is strangely like a big game for Mike Gundy. I know. Like if they get blown out in this game, like public perception will will take an even darker turn than it already has yeah. as far as where this program's going. Yeah. Um, but OSU has played very well in bowl games under Mike Gundy too, so I, I fully expect them to come out and play pretty well. I just I just think they're a little overmatched. I thought I thought there was a good chance they would come into a game as the far superior team because of how much they underperformed this year. But I thought Missouri really got screwed on their bowl game. So they're, they're actually playing a team I think that's that's much better than they are. Yeah, for sure. Which means they'll win. Uh, I'm heading out there on Monday morning. Uh, we're going to have a photographer there as well. So we'll have a ton of coverage from Memphis. I'll be in Memphis on New Year's Eve, Carson. So oh, that, my. That should be uh, – yeah, that should be something. That should be interesting. But Kyle, Kyle Porter on Beale Street on New Year's Eve? Look nah, out. I'll be I'll – be, type and takes in my in my airbnb probably um <laughs> but hey safe travels to miami and uh enjoy your time there i know you always enjoy hitting up south beach yep it's gonna be fun yeah and uh, i guess we'll reconvene and talk again next week sounds good See have a good weekend you too